All right, listen up, Spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Difference podcast. I am Tom Bruno. And I'm Alex Whiteley, and we've also got... Brad Boy, how you doing? Where you at? <laughs> and... <laughs> and... And I'm know, Eric Pfluger. It's yeah. a pleasure yeah. to see you all. <laughs> I should have written was... a note there. I, Eric, I've got to cue you in. Uh, we should definitely do that. We should act <laughs> like professionals, but sorry about that. My fault. Fuck that. It's real. It's real and, gr- and gritty, and that's all that matters. We're like a Quentin Tarantino film up in here. Um, so, guys, a lot of things charm the pants off my co-host, Mr. Alex Whiteley. And uh, one of these things is a, is a newfound love, right? You fell in love with an American show, correct, Alex? About two about two weeks ago, and I've done nothing but watch this show. I'm obsessed. I know it's an old show, uh, but I I feel like sometimes with American shows and British shows, it doesn't always like translate instantly. Um, it's, it's like that that classic joke, like I'm still loving a, a, a Hawaii Five O or something. You know, like don't tell, don't spoil it for me. It's one of those things that I just I, I'd never watched before, but um, I watched it about two and a half weeks ago, and I felt hard in love with Bar Rescue. Yeah. It's true, and it, I find it. I found it so charming because you're like, you ever heard Bar Rescue? It's like, yeah, I, I think I've seen like a few episodes, like that John Trapper guy. He's, he's kind of funny. He's like, dude, you like don't understand the subtle nuances of the show. Clearly, you heathen. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I don't. But regardless, um, so Alex been watching uh, Bar Rescue, and um, he's like, I really got to talk to somebody from the show. Like, I, I go, I'm gonna get like that's the greatest. Uh, privilege that we have of doing the sh- of doing this podcast is that we get to sometimes bring on people that influence us, people that entertain us, what have you. So that's what we did today. Um, one of the uh, one of the people that had their bar fixed up by Mr. John Tapper is on the show with us, and it happens to be a very very cool bar with something that I happen to love, which would be Louisiana. Can we all say hello to Mr. Brad Bo- Bohan? Bohannon? Bohannon? Bohannon. Bohannon. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, I only fuck that up every which way possible, so it's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I yeah, I do love this show. I grew up with um, Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Mumsy. That was like one of the things I loved, where he would walk into someone's restaurant and just tear them a new asshole and just be like, oh my God, this chicken's raw! And start throwing it around the kitchen and stuff like, you cooked a fucking lettuce! You know, it was one of the things that I loved the most. And I thought, oh, well, this, is, this show isn't going anymore. I guess there's nothing else for me in this world until I came across Bar Rescue. Um, and it was because of Facebook. I saw a video of this, this guy getting in someone's face and be like, if you say this word one more time, I'm going to fucking fire your ass in front of everybody else. And he's like really getting in people's girls. Like, there's no way this guy is like this on TV for real. Then I saw another video and another video. And I thought, I've got to check this thing out. And luckily it was on Amazon Prime. And John Taffer is an absolute animal, an absolute animal with people he, he, he speaks no, to on the show. No kidding. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and yeah, so today we've got Brad from um, from Spirits on Bourbon, who is a very successful bar that uh, he turned around. Um, first of all, uh, Brad, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you guys um, for having me. I appreciate it. 
what, what okay so how talk us through that process of of, of becoming a, a feature on the show was there um uh submission sort of... process was there like some sort of hoop you have to jump through or do they literally just say hey this bar could stand for a leg up how's that go yeah. I think most of the time, uh, I think you probably would apply for it and say the help. But mine was a little bit, uh, a little bit different circumstances. My wife is an attorney, and she has an all women's uh, law practice. And they were doing a, uh, they were casting for a show on, on attorneys, and it got to the point where they got far enough where they interviewed the family, and they interviewed me, and they kind of heard my story, and kind of heard what what I what I did, and all that stuff like that. And the show was for the lawyers. They couldn't get it go through because uh, the it was all uh, she does domestic work and people had to sign off on their personal stuff and people would sign off it for the network and so it was the same casting people that were doing that and they want I think this was season three that I was on the first episode and I think they wanted to get more of a high profile a place where it's not just in a strip mall they wanted a place that where people could actually go and touch and see and uh, and really enjoy the the bar rescue you're not necessarily going to Omaha Nebraska or or some podak come in ohio but this was that we were really visible in there a lot and i think they liked that and so needed i think bar rescue needed us just as much as we did them to make that show grow absolutely especially when you see the circumstances in which they you know they they helped your bar and, and also in the same way that you kind of gave them a real spotlight on to what can be done with a place that maybe just doesn't have a theme going as well as it could be and by the way mm-hmm. I've been to uh, Bourbon Street. I went there back in uh, 2007. I, w- I was doing um, – it was right after Hurricane Katrina. And um, I was a part of this program where we helped uh, build up low-income housing. And, of course, you know there was this huge – uh, hurricane that happened down there and so they were like hey the mayor corpse is looking for volunteers to come down and pitch pitch a hand in and you know all me and my 19 year old friends like yeah let's do this totally let's do this you know new life experience and so they took a bunch of us 19 year old kids and they brought us <laughs> to bourbon street at the end of the week because they're like here we're gonna get some good food and have a good time but after all the hard work so they're like Oh, go. They didn't like give us any adult supervision. They just let a bunch of kids roam Bourbon Street. And of course, you sir, are very familiar with Bourbon Street. But if you were to get to describe the atmosphere of such a place, uh, how what would be the best way to describe it? Uh, New Orleans is the closest thing in the it's the closest to being in the United States. It's the closest thing to feeling like you're in a different country. And uh, we, we kind of uh, we different different rules and like. In America, we're kind of known for food, I would say, and and you know we got a very eclectic Creole Asian food, and everybody knows it. I think probably more overseas. I think we're known for our music, which is we, we yes. take you know we forget about it. And so we're a lot of things to a lot of different people, and a lot of it's just a city that a little bit ahead of its time in the whole United States. Uh, you know, with racial stuff and everything, it's it's just kind of a trendy a trendy city that's. That I've been living here since 1995. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's it's definitely not for the the tame at heart. Like the, like <laughs> Louisiana and especially New Orleans, um, Bourbon Street in, in particular is very you know in your face. Amazing music, outstanding people. Uh, the, some of the best food I've ever had in my entire life. I had a I had a po' boy sandwich that was just to die for. It is my favorite sandwich, and nobody can replicate it the proper way because it's proper French bread, proper <laughs> breading, and all that type of stuff. But um. To just say to a bunch of kids, yeah, 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 just go wander around. 
this <laughs> place fuck. known yeah. for partying. It was essentially being like, we don't care what you do. Just don't fucking get arrested. That's all we ask. <laughs> just don't get arrested. And we're like, yeah, we totally won't do that. We didn't. We didn't. Close, but we didn't. Um, um, I, I've got to say before we move on, um, I, the audio is cutting in and out. Brad, I don't suppose you've got any sort of like headphones you can plug into your device at all that you can speak through at all? Uh, uh, you're having a hard time hearing me? A little bit, just a little bit, a little bit, bit. very quiet. But um, it, I don't know if you got any, you know, the headphones with the microphone on or anything like that. Yes, I got them on my mm. ears. Can you uh, hear me now? Oh, I Is see. That better. Um, let's have a go. Let's have a go. I, think Hold on, I can take it off. Let me go and try it without it. Mm, it. Eric, do you have headphones in? I have headphones on. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Let's okay, all right, that's fine. But, but, I mean, I can edit it and well, make it look sexy. Yeah, yeah, Alex is, Alex is a professional, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm an absolute professional. I didn't fuck up, uh, my, my last interview I did for the Shoes of Biscuit, which is another podcast I do, was with the High Sheriff of Shropshire, and I forgot to turn my microphone on, and my, my laptop picked it up. I sounded like I was underwater. It was terrible. What um, are problems like when you have that Next going on, on Podcast oh. Rescue, Alex Whiteley <laughs> can't do his podcast at all. <laughs> Did you ever notice that about the narrator? He just has this quality of kindergarten baby. You wash your face in gravy. You wrap it up in underwear and mail it to the Navy. So just in case anyone might be wondering, uh, and not that they should be because Eric's a fucking legend. Um, Eric, um, we, we kind of announced what we were doing. We always give a heads up to our chat. And Eric um, is in the works of developing a show with Alex. And um, so he's part of the chat. And Alex is like, hey. I got this going on. I got this guest coming on. And Eric, being an amazingly artistic dude, he's like, dude, they influenced me so much in a lot of things that I do. And he just couldn't stop speaking about some of the things that came out of that episode. So as we go along, Eric's going to start uh, uh, putting in more to why, uh, what exactly um, influenced him about it. Um, so let's go back. Your wife was in the process of trying to start this all woman's. Uh, she has an all woman's attorney yes. agency, and they were looking for a television show that was based on something of that sort. I would imagine they were looking for, and so I, they wanted to do a lawyer show for, for a, a pretty major network, and, and so they just couldn't get people to sign off. So it was the same people that were casting for for that show was casting for Bar Rescue, and they got to the point where they met me, and they're like, "Dude, we got we got the guy for you. This guy, this guy's he's a little off tilt. He's got a good story, and he's willing to talk." diary of the mouth whenever he gets on and they kind of liked everything they had to say i had to say well i mean but that's you know that i guess like one of the most important because i watched the episode of course you know that was like mm -hmm. my homework alex is like how dare you not watch bar rescue all the time first of all Tom. <laughs> but second of all you need to watch this episode because it's kind of integral to what we're doing this weekend i'm like yeah absolutely let me watch it and i loved it because you're honest and i, I yeah. love that more than anything else because a lot of the times some things that come out of that show is how phony some things can be not to say that the whole show yeah. is phony but sometimes the people in particular can be very very phony but i did not not get a hint of that from you sir we were we were pretty honest and like i've been on a bunch of episodes now he's called me back to do so i just got back from vegas to be on this season doing some stuff with him um but but the, some of them I, the matter of fact, we did another one in louisiana a couple years back and i was the undercover guy and if i wasn't the undercover guy and wouldn't realize like and so uh there's a crew of 70 people there and the guy's still getting wasted and he, yeah. he doesn't he's so wasted he don't even know these people are here and like if i wasn't there witnessing it i wouldn't believe it so it's like there's a lot of stuff that you would think people would know better and they got they're really good at bringing in cameras like bringing cameras in a month early 
and mm. and they'll set them up the security cameras that way everybody gets used to it and they and they never tell you that they're gonna use your bar until he walks in the door you got a pretty so, good chance you got a pretty good idea because there's a there's a 70 some people there with tents and all like they're still they stick to the story to the end they're like we don't know if he's coming or not we don't know if he's coming or not so, uh they try to stay true to their word on making it as real as possible. So the reaction on your face when John Tapper walks through the door to be like, hey, I'm going to fix this for you. That's all legit. That's you being that's, like, oh, shit, it was me. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But me, I, I had met John before. Uh, oh. Because John, John actually, owned, at that point, I think he owned the nightclub and bar convention. And I used to go watch him speak. Oh, like, all right. Like, I, uh, you know, for years I used to go there and I'd watch him because he's he was he's a phenomenal speaker. If you ever get a chance to see him, talk, uh, very inspirational. So, so I kind of um, was kind of a fan at that point already. I knew him before. I knew who John Tapper was before everybody else really kind of knew who he was. Okay. Did the did the did the the show sort of change him in any way, or is that did we get the real deal with John Tapper? Let me because like I've been lucky enough to become. I think a lot of times you, you come and go. And but we've kind of become friends and we do stuff together and I've kind of got to know him on a different level. I talked to him yesterday. You know, that's my first episode. I was almost 10 years ago. That tells you what kind of guy he is. He took me yesterday when I called him um, to do some stuff. But yeah, he's, he's different. But I've been in meetings. Like one time we were uh, looking to open a restaurant together and, and uh, we were going to look at this spot. And the, the guy was like, the guy had a limp on it. He was, he was, he was walking with a limp, he had one arm swallowed another. Life has already punished this dude enough. And then he comes in there and as he starts talking stuff, and, and no cameras, no nothing. And we got to see John Taffer again that day too. I was like, oh my god, this, this is not for the TV show. He's he's pretty intense like that all the time. Well, I mean, we'll get to the end result of what ends up happening. But to be fair, your your story is a su- uh, success story. You you had a successful business um, that you, if I remember the story correctly, um, you sold to a competitor or you or you were bought out of the the mm-hmm. the old bar. Correct? Is that did I get it's it wrong? Tropical Isle. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like I moved down there in 1995. I moved to New Orleans with 500 dollars in my name. I started out as a doorman. And worked my way all the way up to owning a third of it. Uh, my way in, it, but it was a small company, and um, and I mean they were probably doing a million dollars a year. We just got to doing a, a big money, a, a lot of money. And my wife had finished law school, so they knew they had to be in because I was going to go do my other thing. So they got my thing. They let me in. I got to buy in, and then uh, I think I, was, I think there were some ego issues with them. They didn't really like sharing the money, you know. And I carry. I didn't. I mean, as long as I got to go to Applebee's every day and eat, and I didn't have to wash my own dishes, I was pretty content. I I grew up, I mean, with nothing, so I I didn't really care. But then I think it just got to them. I think more people were going to me, going to me for the answers, and just I, it was just kind of an ego thing. Uh, we've kind of made men's. He passed up when my old partner passed away, and uh, the lady she's still alive. But we've been we're pretty cordial now, okay. so which is kind of a nice thing. And the show kind of I think. It took a while, but I think we've kind of got on, on better terms now on the whole street. Because yes. if you were to judge it by just the episode alone, you know, obviously it's a little bit tumultuous. But like, you you gotta imagine that having a conflicting business right across the way from your business, it's it's beneficial to everyone to have like, oh well, let me recommend another place to you, so because you right. know what washes one hand washes the other. Right, and plus, like you know, I I work with them, like. 
I was the guy that was there daily, the, the 180 employees. I was their go-to guy every day. And now they're not allowed to talk to me, you know, it's hard for them. You know, that was kind of a, 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 a you know, dramatic in a lot of ways for me where I felt like I got slighted and stuff, especially because I only owned a, a third and they had 67%. So they all the decisions. And I was, I was at a point where I'd either have to sell out I was going to get my share before, the, and they were going to count it first. And I didn't like the outcome that was going to happen. Yeah, that doesn't sound really. That's <laughs> really heads above water and all that type of stuff. Um, so, Alex, what initially brought you to this? Like, I mean, I, I understand that Kitchen Nightmares was your jam, and then you kind of found John Tapper. But what about this episode? Kind of spoke to you to the point where we are where we are today, brother. Eric, Eric, actually, we we <laughs> before I even oh. picked up this series. Um, he was like, we were talking to Ori, Ori Kimler, who I believe was going to come to your bar and take some pictures, but she's kind of, yeah. she's kind of got a leg in a cast at the moment. So I don't think she, made it. <laughs> um, bless her. I hope you get well soon, Ori. Um, and, um, we were talking about New Orleans and Eric was like, get me one of those skull glasses. And I was like, oh, okay. So I thought it was just one of those things that Americans kind of understand, understood until I, was, I started watching this bar rescue. It got to your episode, Brad. And then I was like. This seems kind of familiar. This key, oh, what's going on? And then I saw the glass, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the one Eric was talking about." And Eric was telling me how this glass inspired him so much. So I was like, "Oh, I wonder if we can get these guys on because Spirits and Bourbon's famous now. I bet you get people from all around the world just come to your bar because of that show, right?" It, it, it probably, the first it, it probably generated a million some dollars a year for the first five. It probably generates to this day half a million dollars a year just in advertising and revenue for me uh hmm. just by that, sh- do that, do that episode. and i'm on it almost with i'm on enough episodes now i'm almost on every week so that kind of helps too but um it's been a blessing and what he did in uh, two weeks probably would have took me 10 years to build that staple in that town with uh a line full of bars that are already staples and i couldn't i probably still wouldn't be where i was at i wouldn't even be close to where i'm at now if it wasn't for that that little pop because mm. I mean, you can you can instantly tell that you are a savvy businessman, especially from watching the show. You you know, it's not like you're sitting there going, "I don't know what to do." Clearly, you had a very successful business, and you took a risk by doing your own at that point. Obviously, for whatever the circumstances led to that decision, but still, you made the decision to go do your own. And it wasn't the fact that you were a bad businessman. That's not one thing that I ever took away from that episode. Is that you are a very good businessman. It's just that it takes a long time to kind of build up the momentum right. to make it to a place where. You know, you're creating the kind of revenue that you're creating today. So you did, maybe you John, did what t- DC tried to do to Marvel. They were kind of like, we want a cinematic movie universe. Let's do it in three movies. That's what he did with the uh, the turtle the turtle cup. You're kind of like, I like what they're doing. It was fantastic. I'm going to do my own version of it. Uh, but so that that was the what Tom's talking about. You were savvy. You knew what you were doing. You knew how to do it. But it was just it was, and the, took and John. The, and another thing oh, about the show is 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 that. At that point, I, I could use it because it was my design, and I never had actual properties of, of that. So I was I had a little uh, I was a little savvy in the in the actual property bill. When I got bought out, I never sold in my property, and so I case and they were I was allowed to sell the cup at that point too. So that was that didn't make the show, but I got probably just because that wasn't the agenda. I wanted to, had to look more like a bad guy, but actually I did. The, I was very happy with the way it came out. And then that's I just that's chose, why I love to do this podcast to give you a bit more time 
to talk about the actual things that we need to understand right. about this because I feel like you guys, for a certain like parts of the show, have probably got about thirty seconds to explain a whole life life, right. life sort of situation, which I think it's not nobody's fault. That's how TV works, you know. It's it's, uh, yeah. it's all about and impact. Like, yeah. And it's all it's all it's all all like you, know, you say you're, you, you, the company owes you a half, it's half a million dollars in debt, but half a million dollars in debt to me. Because I've been yeah. so frugal with my money, is a little bit different than I didn't know it to anybody else. I didn't know anybody here. You know, like, daddy, I, I, it was my own money. So that was he was. I think he had a different respect for me. But he goes, "You have your own money." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not broke." <laughs> so he liked that about me. Because <laughs> <laughs> once again, you're you're a smart businessman, so I'm sure he's used to working with absolute knuckleheads. So you come along, and you're like, "Listen, no, I just happen to have a bad run right this second. It has nothing to do yeah. with my skills or or my or my." Um, the way I present myself, it's literally just X, Y, and Z, and that's why this is happening. So, I, it, it, no, no, go, go ahead, ahead, please. Like I didn't oh, even, I didn't just lose a business; I lost uh, a family. They were like my mom and dad at some point. So was the point mm. that didn't get across. It was the closest, you know. She walked me, she walked me down uh, for the wedding as my mother, you know. So that was the difference. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like mm. we were some business part. I mean, we did this together as and built it from nothing. Like I came up with the cup design and stuff like that, even when it, they didn't even want to do it. You know, they thought it'd be too expensive. I mean, I'm some hillbilly from Missouri, China, trying to talk to this, trying to design a cup before anybody even did that. You know, and we 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 had to I had to convince I had to convince them. Actually, she was out of town and he was dollars for this mold, and uh, we got the mold and we did it and we just did it. And by the time it was in the works, by the time everything came back on it. Um, which is a, a staple, by the way, um, like um, having your own like stamp on it, because when I was down in Bourbon Street, everybody had a cup, like uh, everybody had like their own signature cup. So like, you know, that's that's a clearly uh, a distinctly thing for Bourbon Street. So it's like having it's like getting a magnet. You know, you come back, you might not have any memories. Be like, I got this motherfucking cup. <laughs> that's how I did it. When I was in college, I used to come down and my wife was down here and I'd visit and I'd, I'd go in there, I'd be in dorm, dorm Pat O'Brien hurricane cups in there. I'm like. This is fucking brilliant. You pay to advertise for this. You're av- you're paying to advertise for a company. It's so I was like, this is the way to do this and make it easier to travel in an airplane. So that's why we went plastic. Um, I do want to get onto Eric's story and, and kind of how you guys have inspired him. But before we do, I don't know if we can find a way to clear up the audio because it's breaking in and out. It's like it's switching from one mic to the other. Um, Let me turn Hold it on, may be a signal thing. Yeah, Hold it could on. be a signal thing. Yeah, absolutely, could be a signal thing. We've learned that. Yeah, <sighs> I just don't. I don't want it to get lost. That's all because I think it's there really. I want to. I want to tell your story, Brad. Give us some audio. His story is important. It needs to be told, and as clearly as possible, it's a damn good story. It's a compelling one. It's my favorite of the show by a long chalk. It's perhaps the crown jewel of the show in terms of success stories. And it's because mm-hmm. Brad is extremely savvy in business. If if for no other reason, then not everybody who gets John's ideas opts to stay with them, let alone to run with them, to expand on them, to bring themselves into it and make it theirs. Brad, you did that without question. That's to be uh, that's to be honored. That's to be saluted. That's why I love that episode. Absolutely. And you got to realize, especially like, at the, at the yeah. very beginning, when you were like, You fucking come for my glasses. I'll fucking. Like, 
He's like, you give me some chicken ass cup. I love that so much. You know, you flip flopped with that. That was fantastic to see. Well, I mean, I just had to believe. Like the thing is, if you, and for anything to work in any business, you have to believe in that system. And once I signed the dotted line to say that I was going to do the show, I had to believe in the system and I had to give it an honest and fair shot to make it work. And I knew what everything he gave me was, it's not law, it's just an outline. And I knew yep. if I had that outline, and, you know, I can use it. And there's some stuff that he did that didn't work. There's stuff that, you know, that we added on and changed a little bit. And like, everybody thinks John gives, John don't, John don't give a shit if you change anything, as long as you make it work. And he wants yep. it to be your own. And like, um, and that's what people uh, forget. Cause there's no one's going to know you. He's not going to come in there in two weeks, no matter how smart he is and know your business. And like when you t do the show, it's a six month process. They, they send guys down every other week and they're interviewing you and they use your stories and your ideas to make this work. Um, and so they don't keep you totally out of it. They don't tell you what's going to happen, but you know, you know, you can kind of direct it on what you think will work. This is what this is the how things are marketed down here, because in New Orleans, things are are marketed different. You don't really I mean, your advertising is different. Because everybody's in a hotel. I mean, it's just it's just a different world, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the better examples of some advertising was, and I, I know it's kind of blasphemy to talk about the show any longer, especially with the backstory that happened, but there used to be a show on Discovery called Sons of Guns. And it was about, are you familiar with that company at all? Yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was, we don't need to get into all the bad stuff that happened along those lines, but it was a very, very, very popular weird happened something was going on yeah lots of weird stuff happened a lot of stuff that we're not going to bring up on the show just because we're trying to get some new fans um anyways if you're interested in seeing a really tragic story definitely go check out the sons of guns stuff but they um built this business that was very low-key in the beginning of it until they did the discovery show and then it became this massive thing because they were building uh things for weapons that nobody else was doing at the time very in um, in um inventional and it was very very inspiring so when you say things like um louisiana it does it a little bit differently i have a somewhat feel but of course you being from there you have the best experience of it all right um now i like i'm, I'm not a big bar guy but i gotta say like looking at your bar um it's it's it seems like it's like um like an event Almost. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like just there's just going to a bar. You can go to any bar, right? There's bars everywhere. You can go there and have a drink, what have you. But going to spirits um, is like an event. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's kind of a it's a, the whole thing is set up as an art form. You have to have we have the shots here out front with bells whenever the shots going off. So the bells have to be loud enough. They have to be loud enough in the street to get attention. But they have to be quiet enough inside that doesn't ruin the piano bars where people can still talk and hear the music. It's good. The music has to be has to have enough uh, a, a big enough vibe going on to make it seem like it's like like it's fun, and they still got to be able to take orders. And you have to have a courtyard in the back where people just want to chill out and do absolutely nothing there. So it's there's a lot of moving parts in a small space. Absolutely, I'm, I'm used to these. I'm used to these places. You know that. I mean, I've been to. Uh... Over here in the UK, <laughs> we've got Blackpool. Blackpool's like, uh, I guess I can't. I don't know if I could compare Blackpool to New Orleans, but uh, when when you when you want to go to a place that's a bit more loose, lots of bar, 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 bar. There's a great um, gay district there as well. Lots of gay, amazing gay clubs and stuff. Honestly, Blackpool's amazing, right, for what it is. But um, they are the, very much the case of when you're walking down there at night, you're going to see the scantily clad girls with a waving the cards. Come inside that club. You're gonna you're gonna see all the 
the uh, the lights and the, the the arrows pointing down to these things it's got to be really hard to sort of grab people's attention uh, because it's very much like john says on that show or they'd say on that show is that people just want to go get fucked up in one bar they go to the next bar and then hopefully hopefully end up back in the hotel by the end of the night so it must be really like but yours does that though it's got that that really what john did to your 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 uh, your bar was one of the best transformations I've ever seen because, like, it went from the the green neon, which you kind of see everywhere, to something completely different and very attractive to people walking by. A gorgeous I mean, lavender and blue. Yeah, mm. it was so good. Um, Eric, where does where does this uh, sort of fall in for you? Where where what's the most inspiring thing about this for you? Well, how to simplify it? Because I'd really better. We only have so much time. Um, Worked in a bar myself, not behind a bar, worked a mic. I was the MC. I probably found the show long before either of you. I responded to it on many levels. Uh, as an artist, you wouldn't think that you could port over a lot of lessons from Bar Rescue to the career. But yeah, it's true. The culinary arts are arts. And if you think hard enough, you can port over some lessons. There's also the fact that I, again, like everybody else, I respond to John's personality. I pop the show on if I need to be motivated, if I need to just be motivated to clean the house. I could just put on one of the episodes where he finds a dirty kitchen and he goes, clean your kitchen. And I'm like, yes, sir, don't hurt me. <laughs> and of course, we go on from there. But then, as I said, uh, spirits forms perhaps the the success story of the show that has had several success stories many of them but why does this one matter to me uh, as opposed to any other i'll try to keep it simple uh kevin smith already said to me at this point you gotta love your art and that made me go okay that's right i need to be enthusiastic about my career again because like brad there was a time where i wasn't as such i'd had the will sapped to a degree. I didn't want to do my craft anymore. I'd been hurt by people I trusted. Mm. And then, okay, I needed to love my art again, fine. But now what do I do with that? Here's a practical lesson I learned from this episode. It's a simple one, but like most riddles, they're absurdly simple when you see the answer. I'm quoting Tolkien there, but he's right. <laughs> he said something very simple. Every cup on Bourbon Street was green or red, not blue. That is absurdly simple, but it taught me something. Being different than everyone else gets attention. Being singular to yourself gets attention. And that's what led me to the logic of saying, well, you know what? If Kevin and Ralph are doing Hollywood Babylon, their comedy podcast, and they're doing a segment about it called The Germans, and if you know about the period between the wars well enough to illustrate that, then go for it. Be different. Be yourself. That obviously led to all the events that ensued from there, including the coloring book. Now, how do I thank Brad for all that? Well... I have always wanted to thank Brad for that. That narrative of that episode picked me up when I was down. Just as I, according to the narrative of the episode, uh, Brad himself was once down and then picked himself up with the inspirational help of a friend. And that motivated me. That charged me. Oh. And I have been a better person since. 
So now how do I thank Brad for that? Well, I've always wanted to. And I wanted to thank him with a piece of art. And so I spent a little bit of time between the last week and now coming up with a piece going, hey, maybe if he really likes it, he'll want to sell it at the place. Woohoo! Let's make lots of money. And so with that event, I, I sent, I worked up the sketch and I sent it to Alex. And, um, well, that's the rough sketch. <laughs> and we'll progress from there. I took the Edward Dubois mythology that was conceived for the bar. And I'm like, well, let's build on that. Like any mythology, you expand on it over time. And he's showing you the processes because I thought I'd do a step-by-step. I've never done that for my work before. You lay down the grays and the highlights, see? And uh, then here comes the base colors. Then here comes the other color. And I had no idea what Edward DeBoer looked like. So I just, I picked the off the shelf uh, barbershop quartet character, figuring I'd research later, this being a rough sketch. But this is my tribute to you, Brad, and to oh, Spirits the Bar. That thing is great. That's I love it. I'd love to it's talk amazing. about it with you further, but not on this show at a better time. We're Facebook <laughs> friends. We'll do it then. But basically, thank you, Brad, for inspiring me and for inspiring a whole audience of people, including Alex, including Tom. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. It means a lot to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that some of my heartaches is helping some other people, too. Maybe <laughs> Prevent them from having to go through some of the shit I went through in life. But uh <laughs> well, I'm glad reflects... my misery cheers <laughs> you up, Garrick. <laughs> well, not in so many words. It's more akin to something else Kevin Smith said. Creativity inspires the creativity of others. It's that simple. And Brad's creativity inspired mine. He's like, he did that, I can do that. He lived his dream, I can live my dream. Right. It's that simple. And he has, and I'm so proud to see that and so honored to be able to share it with you, Brad. Man, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you kindly for all the kind work. I mean, it means a lot to me. And uh, I'm grateful lovely, for Eric. all this stuff. Um, yeah, well, we've broken the ice for that. That's what, that's really nice, <laughs> Eric. And hopefully he can work something out. But I, yeah. Eric was literally working on that all night last night. He was like, I was getting updates. Uh, and I got them all when I woke up this morning. So yeah, seriously, hang that up. I ha I haven't gotten a similar lesson from the pirates episode yet, but uh, we'll eventually we'll get to one. But you gotta like in the pirates episode, you gotta you gotta give it. They they did what they did and they owned it. They owned it from the very beginning to the end, and you gotta have some respect for that. So it's the um, other crown jewel of the show, that episode and yours, the penultimate uh, success, the penultimate. Not that. <laughs> I'm I'm not familiar. What are you guys talking about? Once again, because I've seen like episodes. And by the way, Eric, I watched True TV when it first came out, and I saw Bar Rescue in its premiere episode. So you saying things like I might be watching along with Tom, maybe, maybe, maybe not necessarily the truest thing ever said. But I will say that I you're yield. a bigger fan. You're a bigger fan than I ever will be of such a thing. I um, yield clearly. To Tom. No, you should definitely should never yield because you are a beautiful, beautiful bastard. Um, Eric, I actually happen to own a piece of a uh, little bit of Eric Fluger as well. 
one of my pride jewels in my art collection because it is one of the most amazing, most intricate drawings you could possibly have. Eric prides himself on drawing things that would drive a sane person crazy to try to attempt. He's just very prolific. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm not familiar with this pirate episode. Does anybody want to fill me in? What's going on with that? Well, long story short, um, they there's an episode in the second season that opened the second season just as Brad opened the third uh, where there's a bar smack dab in the middle of a place where it doesn't belong. It's a pirates themed bar in a section of town strictly filled with corporate high rise buildings. It doesn't fit. And uh, John can't make it fit. And the people that run the bar aren't interested in making it fit. And so much so that even no matter how hard John tries, the moment he leaves, they go right back to going, no, it's it pirate did. bar. They went back to a pirate bar and then they were out of business. <laughs> I've seen the similar thing happen on uh, Gordon Ramsay's show. Plenty of people went right back to exactly because that's the thing is when you have somebody like a John Tapper coming in and try to course correct your business, you, you have two ways to go about it. It's either, well, no, he had no idea what the fuck he's talking about. And clearly I am the better businessman. Or <laughs> you do what Brad did and just kind of accept him. Be like, well, maybe it's time to change or maybe this idea would be good and beneficial. In which case you have a Brad who is thriving in this era, which we got to talk about eventually how the pandemic affected your business, sir, because your business is one of the uh, one of the ones most like dramatically hit by this whole situation we find ourselves in. Right. Um, be before we jump to I'll, that, uh, Alex, you first. No, I was going to say, it wasn't just Brad, though, that was in the firing line. It was Steve as well. Um, and obviously, Steve got the brunt of it, your, your co-owner. Uh, on that episode, um, in fact, he got most of it. <laughs> like a, a twelve gauge shotgun to the face. <laughs> that's what that's what Taffa gave him. And you had that little, uh, great little argument where he's like, "You're just selling me out, dude. What the fuck?" And you're like, "Well, what am I supposed to say? He's right." <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a good guy and a bad guy. You got the wrong straw. I'm not jumping in front of the bullet for this one. I'm like, me and yelling. That's the only time. Me and Steve have worked together since 1995. That's the only time we've ever got an argument. Really? Like you got, we just don't get mad. Like we're just both kind of like big fat goofy guys, and we just kind of like. But that's he was bad. He was dude, he was bad. Is that what you needed though? Is that what you both needed to kick up the arse? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was good, and you know, it was good for all of us. And I mean, he, he got some stuff unjustly that I probably should have. I probably should have took a, a t took a few hits for, but. It was too easy to step away. Yeah, yeah fuck up. <laughs> Sometimes the easiest way to get out of the way is just to step out of the way. <laughs> like, oh, well, I'll be over here, guys. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't believe he's doing that. <laughs> it's the secret of the show at its heart. It's fun to watch John yell as long as it's not at you. Brad, Brad's in the background. Get him, John. Like, what the fuck just happened? Like, not that I'm just supporting. I really want to succeed. We were halfway through filming it, and Steve comes up to me, he looks at me, and gives me this, this scar. He goes, "Do you still think this is a good idea?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's so, such poetry on, on right. It's just oh, because it really does put people to the test. I mean, other other people um, that you, I mean, because you see a lot of people that get fired on that show, and they bring them back, and then they fail. Um, sometimes they don't fail. I don't know, but like you know, when it comes to like the the team you've got with you now. Is it the same sort of team from back then, or have been there have been a few changes? Uh, I mean, yeah, we've got it's the same structure. I mean, there's people that um, almost everybody that show they most of them graduated college and moved. A lot of them worked at were Tulane, and they just kind of move on. A couple of them, I think, worked in newspapers, and 
Miami. I mean, they just kind of moved on into doing their own thing. Because that's almost been 10 years since that first episode. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Now, yeah. do you have people that do you have people that want to come work for you just strictly because they saw that episode? Oh yeah. 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 That happens. Do you have to like kind of weed those people out and try to get the best employee, obviously. Cause you're like, I don't want some crazy fan working for me. I don't mind. I'd rather them. Like, at least they kind of know a lot. A lot of them love the show, but they don't want to follow the rules. <laughs> mm, they're like, Hey, I brought this turtle cup. You're like, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. I already did this. I did this years ago. You're an asshole. Fuck you. I, I know what I'm talking about. Eat my cup. Motherfuckers. Can you sign my cup? Get the fuck out. Yeah. Imagine. Just what, get out of here with that nonsense. What's the relationship like with you and tropical Isle? still, is it still, it's, um, I mean, it's better than everything. Like he passed away. Oh, okay. And My so apologies. it was. It was working the men's on that. You know, uh, I, I think he realized. You know what I mean? He, you know, he at the end he would want to clean some clean some things up, and everything got worked up. You know, I, I saw I see her everywhere. She's. I mean, they're older now. I mean, I can't. She's walking around in a in a, you know, like a wheelchair thing. I mean, so I can't. You know, I'm just like I'm cordial and kind, and I'm very nice. Their nephew, her nephews, and stuff. They come in. It's, it's getting to be better, and there's. Which is, it, it's a nice start. I think one of the most important questions I've got to ask on this whole podcast is: Has anybody tried to copy your cup on Bourbon Street? <laughs> Not on Bourbon, but other people have, and you know, I always tell them I'm kind of flattered by any of them that copy it. You know, to be honest with you, it's just uh, there's enough business to go around for everybody, and and it's kind of an advantage for me if they do copy it that it makes other people think of me, which is another way for me to get some advertising. Um, Eric's like, for fuck's I'm sake. <laughs> What's it like on Bourbon Street, though? Is it dog eat dog? Is it like kind of like really competitive? Or do you guys actually really cooperate and, and communicate with each other? I mean, it's it, everybody kind of sticks to themselves in a lot of ways just because it's a bunch of egotists. You know what I mean? You got This is old school money. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm probably the newest, one of the newer ones out there. And I've been down here since 95. You know, they, they're kind of stuck in a way. I, I stay out of their way, and they stay out of mine. Oh, I would hope they would, because apparently you're very successful. And they're like, hey, listen, I'm obviously doing very, very good, and some of you aren't doing so good. So before you start throwing stones, motherfucker, maybe you should, uh, you know, take a look at my receipts. Um, so obviously, one of the biggest things happened in the last year, like in the world history, at least in our most recent of histories, which affected a lot of people. And, of course, we're talking about the pandemic. It, it affects everyone. Schools shut down. Places shut down. But one of the biggest businesses to be affected by such a thing is the restaurant and the bar business. Do you want to kind of elaborate a little bit on what happened um, during, like, walk us up to the point, like, where you guys were business-wise and then what happened when it all started? Well, everything was going good. And uh, actually, I was I was up in uh, in Vegas with John. We were going – I was at a fundraiser with him, and we are coming back. And I remember I flew over there. I flew to Vegas. I think that Tuesday or whatever, and the flight was full. And by the time I got back, I think the, the flight, the, the normally sold out flight on Southwest had 12 people on it. And so I'm coming back and John's like, hey, it's getting bad. And that Sunday we decided to close and then they made us close on Monday. And so then we were just, just preparing. We were thinking maybe six weeks. It would close, you know, be the, that'd be the maximum of it. And so uh, we were just kind of preparing for that. And then we had some opening and closings and, you know, the kind of open us and which 
didn't do us any really justice because you're you're opening and you're you lose all your merch. You you're not making any money. No one's no. down there either. Well, you know, if you're a tourist town and tourists can't come in, it's it's kind of like jerking off with sandpaper. I mean, <laughs> not, it looks not. fun, but it's it's so unbeneficial. Don't <laughs> it till you tried it. <laughs> Derek's like, hey, uh, that's what my dad taught me. What the fuck you say? I'm not supposed to use sandpaper. <laughs> now Brad tells me. Um, so clearly, you know, they there was some open, some closings, and you, you had to change your. What did you do to kind of grow with the situation? Because I mean, plenty of places did, but obviously, you're still in business. What are some of the things that Spirit of Bourbon did to deal with the situation? Well, I we had a nightclub license, so I went and. Um worked it out where I got me a restaurant license so I could get open nice. a little bit earlier when everybody else was open because I had a full kitchen. So yeah. I, instead of just sitting on my hands, I decided I was going to make some changes to make it work for me. Where I'm mm. like, well, I, at least I have a shot. I'm in the game. Yeah. And, and the, the thing I can tell anybody that's in business is the key for anything like this happening, because I've been through natural disasters. I've, um, I mean, been through lot, lots of hurricanes, lots of, lots of stuff like that coming around. The oh, key yeah. is to just be prepared and have some stuff saved up and have, have an emergency fund. That way when all this stuff happens, it's just an, instead of just being, instead of being a tragedy, it just becomes an inconvenience. So yes. you, you make your own time and, and enjoy a little bit extra time with your family. And, and we, we, we made the best of it. We could, you know, and now we're the last month. It feels like we're starting to get back to normal. Which One of the, one of the business, uh, the benefits of being on Bourbon Street, which not many people might know about, is I think you're like only the there's only like two towns I know of that you're allowed to drink in the street. Now, were you able to do things like make to go cups and that type of jazz to kind of like deal with it or at least combat the even, pandemic? I mean, some of the stuff like th that's this is what happens when governments get involved. Is some of the stuff just defies logic. Mm. Uh, so they banned to go drinks. <gasps> they banned to go drinks while we were during the pandemic so instead of they, they would you could come in and have a drink instead of the table but you couldn't drink on the street so i mean that's some of it I, I, some of it doesn't make sense but we just try to work through the the people that make these decisions so you can come have a drink at the place you're not allowed to be at is what they're saying like yeah yeah you can have a drink in the place that we're not allowing you to open up to have people in so deal with it i guess yeah. i mean yeah. i yeah. at that yeah. part do you just start putting like tables on the roof and shit and you're just like there it's in the business kind of fuck you <laughs> we have tables out front still and everything like that but now it's 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 got to go drinks are back but yeah for a while there it was it was it was it was a strange world in new orleans and i, I have another place on decatur street it's called turtle i still have a turtle bay and it's open 24 hours and it was weird um just shutting the doors because it's over 24 hours a day all the time like we're like me and steve were trying to scrounge to find a key to lock it we didn't, we didn't even know how to lock the door. <laughs> you've got so you've got dust off it when I found it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got another Turtle Bay. You got you've opened another bar. Well, bay. I had it already. It was it, okay. It was the other one, yeah, I've already had this. Okay, thing. cool. Um, has there ever been a temptation, or have you already done it with uh, by selling the Resurrection commercially? You know, you can kind of buy bottles of WKD or Wicked, whatever it's called, or you know, you sometimes you can buy like tropical punch sort of um, stuff in the supermarkets. Has there ever been a temptation to do that? Because then I could try the resurrection here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, there has been. And, uh, just a couple times we've had it, just couldn't get the details worked out for it. Where it wasn't, um, or it wasn't a company that it just wasn't what we were looking for at the time. You know, but I think it might come to that point. Um, 
you know, I'm happy with the revenue I make right now. A pig gets fat and a hog gets slaughtered. So I, I know my limitations on some things. You know what I mean? I don't want to get too big and let it get out of control. I don't. I learned to work for freedom a long time ago when else when everybody else was working for money. Fuck yes. I mean, that's such yeah. an important lesson because if you if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's what my dad always told me. Of course, that's coming from a guy that worked his balls off and hated what he did. So <laughs> I don't know. It's really confusing to talk. I live by that myself. Yes, you do, Eric, because you are a gentleman like that. Um, oh. Now, see, that's the benefit, though. That is like, I mean, as much as it sucks that Alex can't go get one of the resurrection drinks, that is the benefits of having like a touristy place to go. Because guess what, guys? Spirits of Bourbon is there, and it is a place that you can physically go see. And you could even potentially meet Brad. Just don't ask for a job and say you saw the show. Um, but you can get yourself a resurrection tomorrow if you want it. You know, you can make your way out there. No, just if you ask me where all that stuff, I'm gonna try to sell you a T-shirt or something. Oh I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll... <laughs> that'll be enough. That'll. Do. that'll do. <laughs> I was gonna say actually, I might actually try and order myself a resurrection cup. <laughs> Can you send them across internationally as well? Could be. Yeah, just send me your address, email, and I'll, I'll mail you some. So <laughs> that would be nice. Don't make me cry. Wow. Don't make me cry. Man. <laughs> Fucking show, Brad. Why <laughs> not? I'm crying. I'll sh- I'll, don't worry, Brad. I'll show up and actually buy one because I'm a good guy like that. I, I live in the United States, so I have no reason that I'm not going to see because one of my favorite places is Louisiana. I Once again, I love the food. I love the culture. I love everything about Louisiana. So like once everything kind of opens back up, my intent is to bring my family and you know maybe not hang out on Bourbon Street as much, but definitely be like, hey, babe, let's go check out this place because I talked to the guy and he's a really, really cool dude and let's go Get see what this nanny. is all about. The nanny. Yeah, that's why we got an all pair. The nanny. Yeah, yeah, the all pair as we stay in Francais. Um, so from the place that you were is the place you are now. What are the ideas to bring you into the future, sir? Um, right now, I'm just actually just me personally. Um, personally, I'm just focusing on, on getting my kids through my oldest son, he's, he'll be a sophomore next year at LSU. My oldest son's a senior. Um, I want to see kind of where they're going the next couple of years, if they're going to be interested in anything that I want to do. I, I think my oldest wants to be a lawyer. I don't know about the second one. And just set myself up where uh, it's hard to build uh, wealth in your first gener- one generation. So I've been kind of educating them to uh, – I think they'll have the opportunity to become wealthy. Because they'll have a nice foundation and a groundwork just because of this, and uh, I just let them know that they got to be good stewards with the money and to take it, and they have an obligation to their kids and their grandkids to pass it on and to be good stewards. Do they show any interest in taking over the family business? Um, not my oldest doesn't seem like it. Uh, he he might start. He he told me he wants to uh, work a little bit part time down there to get a little taste of it, but um. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, and I've I've seen some second generations and third generations in the French Quarter, and I haven't been impressed so far. Savage. I want my kids to do that. So it's a, uh, it's it's hard to have respect for stuff that you didn't earn. Yes. So I, I they have to. I think they're as as kids, they're going to have to learn the hard way how to be humbled a little bit. That way they. Um, <laughs> no, this isn't this isn't really some in in most people's world this isn't real and they have to learn that and have respect for that <laughs> you give them a turtle cup you're like sell it and then i'll respect you <laughs> motherfuckers all right listen i love you you're my brood and everything but i'm telling you right now like your old man couldn't sell this turtle cup i don't, I don't know you you show me what's up that's hilarious i love that so uh, much that's d- awesome 
so you're 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 still like friends with Bar the guys from Bar Rescue and, and yeah. John Taffer and stuff. So are they still making this show? Because I've only got five seasons on on Amazon. Are they taking a break and then now they're coming back? Is that they what's just, happening? Uh, I just filmed uh, three weeks ago with them in Vegas. Oh. There's twenty more. They've got uh, twenty more episodes. They're filming right Whoa. now. Oh, they're, I'm so excited! Up, so. Yay! I'm really excited about that. that um, they bring them over two hundred episodes, which is unbelievable wow. for a, a, a TV reality show. Yes. Like wow! Wow! I want to try and get Taffer on. I know yeah. he's got a podcast, but he's, like, he's sixty-six years old now. But I don't know if he was still doing this. Because I, I, this this show's so old, I'm not up to date with everything that's going on. I I emailed him off his, <laughs> off his website. I was like, "Yo, you want to come on my podcast, though?" Uh, he probably won't, but he's yeah. he's he's a, he's a big deal. Well, the the thing is, like in. It's it's the benefit and also the the um, the it's it's a benefit as well as it's also a kind of like a hindrance that we don't catch each other things. That's part of the show, Brad. Is that it's what's the difference? Me and Alex learn stuff about each other's cultures all the time. So he'll be like, I just barely heard of this thing called Bar Rescue, and I'm really into it. I'm like, dude, that show's like ten years old. What are you talking about? And I'll be like, what's this Doctor Who thing that you, I keep hearing about? I'll be like, Tom, you mean the forty year old uh, sci fi show that's renowned? You have no idea what it is. I back. And that's part of the show's uh, brilliance, in my personal opinion. Other people might not see it, but that's that's kind of like where we're at now. So now he's super excited about seeing the show and learning who John Tapper is, and he wants to have more. He wants more of it, and it's always a shame when you find out at the very end, like, well, they don't do that anymore. Like that's sure. something you caught on too old. Um, have you ever thought about? You yourself, Brad, not not taking over for John himself, but like doing it in your own way, because obviously you're a very successful businessman. You're a very smart bar owner. Um, you ever thought about maybe kind of like throwing your hat into the ring and be like, well, I could, you know, you're also very entertaining. Um, I could. Yeah, I could. I could do this. I could. I could coach people along. I could get somebody to make their business better. You ever think about I'd that? Watch that? Of course you think about it. And you, you see of it. And like, but then you realize uh, like JT, like the amount of work puts in every day. I mean, he wakes up like thinking, and it's, it's, it comes with a lot of responsibility with that. And um, that has to be what you want, you know what I mean? Of course, I'd be flattering to do it. And he, let me tell you, he's hooked me up with so much like great speaking arrangements. Um, he's got me on a bunch of shows that otherwise I shouldn't have been out. Like, um, so I take advantage of it as much as I can. You know, if I was ever going to be anything like John, I'd be the low rent. I'd be the JB John Taffer, maybe. I don't know what I would do. You know, and I, I wouldn't do anything that would even come. I'd have to kiss the ring. To get, I'd have to get. A, I'd have to get approval before I did that. I, I think you're very personable, dude. I think there'd be no problem with such a thing, but, and I admire you for the amount of respect that you have for him, because obviously, you know, he's helped you in a lot of different ways. And you, you know, of course that's also after you helping yourself, because one of the biggest things is re when you need help is reaching out and ask for it, which you weren't even generally doing per se by the way that your story comes, but it just happened to work along that line that which ended in the end result of this which is fucking fantastic i gotta say now that i've spoken to you i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the episode again because now i have even more interest in this than just before when alex is like do this now tom because i'm dad and i say so i'm like yeah dad i will <laughs> so now i want to go back and be like i want to see the little subtle nuances and get the love for your business sir that clearly these two other gentlemen have right and there's, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of episodes. Um, they're fun to watch. You know, it's the same story over and over, but they make it interesting. And uh, mm. it, it just, it's hard to do. It's hard to say. It's like writing this, the same love song over and over and over and make it uh, where people care. And he, they've got the uh, formula figured out. 
Do you have a personal favorite episode apart from the one you were in? Good question. Uh, Good question. Oh, well, I got to um, one that I've been on. Like, actually, I got to um, do a little behind the scenes stuff on a, a one called Big Mike's. And I got to work with some of the guys. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And I got to, you know, help get some of the, uh, the staff and, and set up a lot of the stuff, you know, working with the. Um, the maintenance department, getting the ACs and all that stuff. So the ones in Louisiana, they use me behind the scenes too, which is kind of nice to kind of have that, have that, um, that deal. I was, yeah. I was honored. And like, and that was a big mic when it was a, it was a flood one. And he did that one because I called him and that was oh. kind of cool that he saved, you know, I didn't know, I just saw the story and I sent it to him and he did it. It, it they changed it from another, doing another bar to that one because of the story. So that was, I'm pretty proud of that. I thought that was fun. Mm. Uh, the, the bungalow one, one as well. The bungalow one. I saw you one. I was like, "Oh my God, it's Brad!" I was like, "Hey, there he is." <laughs> that was a fun one. And also, that's a, that's a good one because it's just they're just a good group of guys. I mean, they're just like they're like your favorite uncles, like those the the, the brothers. You know, like that they were they're good guys, and I still see them. And their dad comes down still, and their mom. So um, that was a fun one to do. Um, I did one here in Chalmette. That was fun. And I got to go undercover, mm. and I got to do. Three black to the bars when they did the food truck one, so that was that was kind of fun. Anyway, I mean, I'm, if he calls me, I do it. I mean, I'm just I, I'm taking what if, the call um, whatever happens happens. What if he rocks up across the street in uh, in Tropical Isle? He's like, let's let's see what happens. We be like, fuck <laughs> off, Tom. Uh, John, fuck off. Don't do this. Don't do this shit like that. <laughs> that'd be an arms race then. Oh, that'd be awesome. I, I'm not gonna don't fuck you cool. there because like there was one where he did. Um, it was the country and dance at uh, the. the uh, country and western nightclub and he was like we're gonna go after him and we're gonna put him out of business and i was kind of that's a bit harsh competitive intrusion he called it and i love that one too they had yeah, one an episode i watched that i really thought was good it was i think it was on season four and it was like they had like it was like a dj one and they had these dueling djs i don't yeah. think it made it but it was actually a very interesting i thought the concept was really cool I love um, that one. You know, but uh, that that was probably my favorite one that I thought was that probably should have made it that didn't make it. But I enjoyed that one. Something different. The one I the one I cringed at a little bit, and I, you know, I've got to be completely honest because I'm a yeah. journalist. You know, is the uh, the uh, the gaming console uh, one that he did when he had the the PlayStation Three, and he was it was I love John so much, but when he's trying to sell something on screen, he's so <laughs> obvious with it. So you're playing Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, right? You know, he's got. <laughs> It's so brilliant. But I was thinking, if that was if that was in uh, somewhere like Telford or Wrexham, where I live, or something, and they put these nice big TVs and these consoles, the controllers and the games and stuff, they'd be fucking gone in fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, your job is very high octane. There's lots going on, lots of noise, lots of people moving around you. The bar must be crazy insane. I know you're the manager, so you have the the luxury to be able to sort of step aside a little bit, but run the business from a far what do you like to do to sort of get yourself away from that because it must be quite difficult to live like that for quite a long time you must what do you do to wind down i think uh i like to write music we were to write a lot of songs had some so i got a publishing company mm. had a few hits on the radio so it's kind of that that's always been interesting um to uh surround myself i like working with songwriter conventions and and doing stuff like that i'm on the mississippi songwriter board and we, we do songwriter shows and stuff. I enjoy doing that um, as a little R&R. &R, um, nice. 
that is not what I expected at all. I'm not going to lie. And that's another <laughs> one of the greatest things about this show is learning that there's far more. There's, there's far more depth and levels to people than anyone could ever guess. Because if you were just to look at you, sir, you'd be like, oh, successful business owner, very hospital dude, very entertaining. Never in a million years would have been like, oh, he writes songs on the side and he's very successful at that too. That's crazy. Where can, where can we find your music? What is it? Tell us about it. I'm a, yeah. songs, uh, I'm a publisher. I have songs um, written by, uh, I'm looking on the wall, I got Colt Ford, uh, Easton Corbin, Tracy Lawrence, Chris Cagle, uh, Lori Morgan. Uh, so I've had a lot of cool, Craig Morgan. I've had some cool major major cuts. So Nice. That's so awesome. It's been That was kind of a, a hobby I did, just getting around songwriters, and then I just started doing that just to get my son involved. For someone that's not... Uh, can't sing or can't play a guitar that well it's, it's a way you can kind of be in the business a little bit i've wanted to i wanted to play harmonica forever like i played bass guitar and i was shit at it all my friends are like you're not bad i'm like you're lying right now i'm horrible at playing the bass guitar i can carry a note in a barrel sometimes in the shower but i've wanted to learn the harmonica forever that's always been like my like one musical aspiration i've had because it's such a cool and versatile instrument like you can hear in the hardest of hard rocks you can hear in some of the coolest of country songs there's just so much to it so like one of these days i'm really going to sit down and just kind of like put forth the effort and actually learn how to play it. Um, so I love it when I hear people that, you know, take a hobby of theirs just, and just turn it into something else. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun industry to be in. And uh, I've been yeah, lucky. Imagine. To- Night, nightlife and music. What goes better, you know, <laughs> before I know we, we like uh, right at the tail end of the show now, but Eric, um, you've been sat there quite, is there anything you've been dying to ask Brad that we've talked over you for? Sorry, Eric. Well, not so much ask, simply to share. Uh, it's a I've enjoyed the hell out of the series. It for reasons personal and professional. Yeah, I get art ideas. Yeah, John Taffer kind of reminds me of my father, and my father recently passed. He it's he was a man of very high standards, as John is, uh, for good or ill, and more often for good, and. That's not necessarily to say that I'm used to big guys getting in my face and yelling, you're not doing it right. Although it's not, not that. But at the same time, I'll tell you, I was primed for a guy like John Taffer. My daddy's name even was John. And I'll tell you, that's probably why I responded on a deeper level than otherwise. I'm like, this feels like home. And that's why it's working for me because I'm used to that because the kick in the ass is sometimes very useful Mm, it's true yeah and i found that i'm no different than anybody else i'm in as need of it as anyone else so yeah i responded to that so i became an addict on a personal level then comes brad's story to just sweeten the cake and go oh i now know what i must do (laughs) and and i don't know it's uh, for me it was like i'd been my own kind of my own boss for 15 20 years and then I had no one, no one to hold me accountable for what I did. And so after I did the show, and I, me and John kind of liked each other, I felt an obligation because I kind of represented him, and it gives me something to lean on. Like, like what would John Tapper do in this situation? You know what I mean? I don't want to indeed. Him uh, people don't worry. People will send him an email in a hot second. Brad did this. Like he's my paw or something. Like he's gonna spank me. But uh, still to this day, but. Uh, 
it, it, it that worked good for me because it, it gave me someone to be uh, hold myself accountable to. Mm. Very much so. He's a father figure. If and if not a father of mine, he is a father figure, and he tends to be that with anyone that he comes across. And with with you, Brad, I get the sense, yes, long before you outright said as much, that there was a clear uh, respect between the two of you that you shared for each other. Mm-hmm. And we're that we're nothing. We're a lot different. You know what I mean? We're a lot different, but we're a lot alike. Which and we just kind of. Um, we actually just like each other, which is kind of nice. And I mean, I think a guy at his standard statue doesn't have a lot of friends like you would think would have tons of them. I don't think he has tons of them that people he keeps close to him. It's an exclusionary stance because not everybody can meet that standard. Maybe and praise anybody that thing. does. Maybe it's kind of like I can't live up to John's standards. He did a great thing for me, but fuck it out. That was that was terrible. <laughs> that was so traumatizing. I can't go for that again. So yeah, thanks, John. But yeah, have a great life. See you later. You know, I can imagine it being like that. Yeah. I think most of the people that fail, um, they probably. I, I bet you half of them that fail, they know they'll fail before even it's the filming's done, and the other half just. I don't. I, I, they just. They think it's bar maintenance more than it is bar rescue. And yeah. you got to realize once they're gone, they're gone, and it's up to you to, to steer the boat. And you have to yeah. be ready to steer the boat even if you're not ready. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I saw the one of the follow-up episodes you did where you basically said, we had a choice. We could agree and go on with what John gave us or not, and we chose to do so. And – that's singular. Not everyone does, as I've said. And you did so to such a degree that my jaw dropped. Yeah. And it was, it, it was, it, there were some times when at first, after they left, you're wondering, is this the right thing to do? Because at that point, it's not on air. And yeah. like everybody's saying, you're like, you have six to eight months of waiting after you film and you have this new concept that no one understands. You're trying to explain it to everyone. And, um, they're like, this sucks, it's stupid, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as it hit the air, and he said this was a great idea, it was like the water, the seas, the Red Seas was parted, you know? So it was like, which was kind of a, a, like, a, I was like, this dude's got some, he's got some yank, you know? So I like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, Brad, you first of all, thank you so much for coming on chatting with us. You have been a, a delight. You're an inspirational dude. You're you're a very savvy businessman. And I, I, I just feel honored that you came over and, you know, had a little chat with us. I, I, it's really amazing. And if I'm ever back down towards you, man, I'm absolutely stopping my spirits, which everyone should do. If you guys yourselves are down in the Louisiana area and maybe a little bit close to Bourbon Street, I know of a fantastic bar you could stop by and that would be spirits of bourbon right now you can go get yourself a fucking fantastic cup don't be don't be hateful be grateful I, I, first, one of the first things i'll be doing is giving brad my email i'll be like yes please give me my cup <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. everybody's gonna be coming oh alex told me to get some free drinks in here i'm like <laughs> <laughs> no you fucking pay your way man you know just because i got a free cup to see you alex i might be coming to get some free drinks over there that's and uh, if you if do you, do you travel much? Do you go abroad a lot? Uh, well, obviously the pandemic, but usually I'm a gypsy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fucking traveling man. He's a if traveling ever, man. He's made a lot of stuff. If you ever want to come over to the UK, Shrewsbury is a great place to come drinking. I guarantee you, you'll have a great time drinking around Shrewsbury. Like, that, go, that doesn't. That goes I'm, to I'm everybody. The year before, and I got to see I got to see the uh, the Queen twice. 
Really? Mm. I've lived here all my life, never seen her. And I met Prince Charles on Bourbon Street. What? I met Prince Charles on Bourbon Street after Katrina. They were sitting there looking at it. I'm like, are there cars there? And they came in and Camille got out. and They were looking at a school and he's like, what are they going to do with all this rubbish? That's my. She was very kind of cool, you know. Like that's my bar, sir. I wouldn't call it rubbish, you jerk. (laughs) Prince Charles Charles go to Bourbon Street and get laid. Laid. Oh no! I shouldn't be surprised, though. As the episode makes clear, this is New Orleans, the town where a man can show up in a gorilla costume and not invite comment. It's true. It's true. Um, so, guys, absolutely. And if you have not seen the episode of Bar Rescue with Brad or the many episodes with Brad, I would definitely recommend doing so. Uh, drop a line. Brad, where can people keep track? Where can they find you? Where can they see what you're up to nowadays? Well, you, I, I got Spirits on Bourbons have a page, a uh, page of Instagram and Facebook. They can find me on Instagram at Bohannon Brad on Instagram and then Brad Bohannon uh, on Facebook. And then uh, MO to number two to NOLA on Twitter. If. Uh, okay. You're looking for see what I'm doing. I guess. Well, you've been an amazing guest, and I'd I'd love to catch up with you sort of post COVID and see like how you're doing, and uh, we'd love to keep in touch because that's what we do on this show. We like we make friends. We don't just have guests on. So um, if there's anything you'd like to come on the show and talk to us about, please get in touch and we'll get you back on. All right, actually, because I'll let you keep you posted when we got other stuff going on. And uh, if you nice, want to nice, see nice. Crazy down here. I know where to find them. Heck amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what we tend to do now, Brad, is we're going to go to the later lounge, which is a bit where we can sort of geek out and uh, talk about movies and okay. stuff that, not, that I guess might not necessarily want to join in about. But what we will let you go. Um, but thank you so so much for joining us. You've been an amazing guest, Indeed. Brad. Bahan, thank everybody. you. Fine. Thanks to you and to Spirits for restoring the spirit in me. Oh. Your heart. Oh. We'll we'll get Eric to send it to you. I'll get him to send it to me, and I'll forward it onto you. You guys talking on Facebook anyway, but yeah, we'll yeah, get it to it you. done. All right, sounds yeah. good. Appreciate everything. Thank you kindly. No, Have a great you. evening. Have a good evening, Brad Bohannon. We salute you. Absolutely. Right, guys. Um, now Brad's gone. Let's slip into the later lounge. Uh, that doesn't quite translate because I haven't got a pink background for this. But hey, welcome to the later lounge. Brad was amazing. That was a bit quiet. Hopefully that audio works out okay because we could hear what he was saying, but he was quite quiet. So hopefully I can pick that up a little bit. But uh, that was fantastic, right? So great. Turned out fine to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Audio-wise, uh, I loved it. Yes. I, was, uh, I just want to thank you guys for the honor of getting to speak to Brad first foremost. Oh, Eric, you are once again, dude. You you are the nonstop gentleman, and you're one of the greatest people we've ever met, dude. So of course, when the moment that Alex is like, "Oh, we have this person coming on," and Eric's coming, on, I'm like, "Fuck yes!" That makes all the sense in the world because the passion that you bring behind it, it, it can't be replicated. You know, passion. There's, oh, there's, my God, no kidding. There's a huge difference between what I try to accomplish and what you accomplished you know, without any real thought in the matter, because you did have the love behind it. So it's, it's, it's always great when this type of situation happens, Eric, what have you been up to lately, buddy? I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, let me see. I mean, obviously it's a bit of a rebuilding period. Uh, Dad's still dead, but I am getting better. Um, 
Yeah, I had to burst re- here, Derek. He's not coming back, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, uh, we do feel for you, and I'm very sorry you had to go through that, Eric. It was a terrible time for you. Ah, I mean, I am getting better, and uh, the show is indeed helping. I'm glad I've had the chance to just get the English accent out of my voice during the last episode. I tend to formalize when I get nervous. I'll just say I'm accent fluid. <laughs> my brother's like that. You know, um, when he comes out, my brother sort of like he'll spend 10 years over here, spend t- 10 years over in Ireland with the family. Um, mm. And every time he switches back over, his accent changes. Like I'll speak to him and he'll sound he'll have like an Irish twinge to him um, now. Uh, but if he's like me, he years, soaks it up like a sponge. Absolutely. Whereas me, I'm, I'm not that at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that was fantastic speaking to Brad. I'm so glad that we, because it's very rare. I mean, it does happen sometimes, but it's very rare we get someone like that's very like I'm. Just, I've just found this TV show, and I'm so much in love with it. So to get someone that I I love from a TV show I'm watching at that current time, even if it's old, is a really nice feeling. And I've really enjoyed speaking to him. What a great guy, honestly. I'm just so chuffed about that. But um, yeah, I'm it's nice to see I'm excited you're getting a cup. Like the fact that you were going, dude, bananas. And I'm very, very excited that there's going to be a piece of your art in this business that you respect so much, Eric. I got to say that's, that's so cool. It must be, but I, hell I'm like you guys. I'm like, I would bleed for a cup. (laughs) All of a sudden Eric opens the vein and he's like spirits. And he's like, bleed into a cup. I bleed into a cup every day. The difference is, though, is that you guys, once the pandemic is over and stuff, you guys can just drive there, literally. Like, I can't. Like, so I guess that's kind of... I can (laughs) drive in my brand new vehicle that I purchased today. Oh, shit. (sighs) This car. This car. I got a brand new car. I do. I I do. But, okay, but to be totally fair, we just really talked about on the show, when you earn something in comparison... Yeah, it was today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I ruined the I ruined the mirage. Um, so like when you work for something, it's a completely different feel than if it was just handed to me. Right. If I would have woke up today and somebody would have given me a car, it would have been different than the years that me and Shona have now put in. Because when we first moved up here, we had no credit. We had nothing. We had nothing to our names. We started from scratch. And now with especially the the great financial assistance of my wife, because, you know, not only having a great job, but being very on top of our bills and making sure our credit gets built the proper way. The first time we went and bought a car, guys, like we we like um, it took us like six hours, 12 different banks turned us down. It was a real process today. It was we went in. We said we want that. We signed some papers and we drove away in a brand new car. No fucking ifs, ands, or buts about it. And it, it just goes to show you with enough hard work and determination, you too can drive yourself a new traverse. Right. Yeah. Does it have a backup <laughs> yeah. camera? It does have a backup camera. It does. So this time I don't back up into a moose, um, which can I am getting. I, can it parallel park which by is itself? A hazard. No, um, it, it is, and it, it does not parallel park. It's not a fucking Tesla or Lexus, either one of those. Right. But I, I will say I'm not a big... Uh, I'm not a big sticker person, but there will be two stickers that go on that thing. There will be only two window decals. Uno, the you suck logo will be proudly in my back window because I'll be driving through states and hey, marketing. Uh, the other thing is I like to put a moose vinyl sticker on my car to let other fucking moose know that I've killed before and I'll kill again. So you best <laughs> get out my way, you mises. Is it like kill markings on a jet? I've taken yes. down this many fighters. I've taken down this many moose do you remember? Do you remember that amazing movie, Gangs of New York? Yes, probably one of my favorite movies it. ever. You've never, you've never seen it. 
That's shame on me. I grant it's not the film's fault. It's my fault. Eric, this uh, okay. First of all, Eric, you are Dish one of the most film. Kill. Dish, Dish is, is a kill. A kill. Oh my God, Eric! You're like one of the biggest like like uh, film aficionados I know. And the fact you've not, yeah, yes, exactly. But so there's like, gaps in everyone's knowledge, hell, including mine. Fair enough, um, Eric. If I was to give you any homework, and I'll let Alex speak a little more kindly about why I brought this up, um, I would definitely recommend Gangs of New York. Now, um, Alex, there is a character on Gangs of New York, and he does something to his beating stick. Do you want to tell everyone what that is? <laughs> um so it's uh played by um fuck's sake what's his name uh from that guy brothers. that guy brothers. oh uh not him that that's the cop uh what's his name john c Riley. that's john c Riley. but no there's the guy that played the the wobbly eye guy in um harry potter fuck oh yeah um, yeah yeah anyway yeah he's a, he's a he's a guy Peter he has big Sorry, Hugh Laurie. Peter Laurie? <laughs> no, not no Hugh Laurie. Peter Laurie. No Hugh Laurie. I could watch. That would work. Bibbly bop, bibbly bop. If you watch Blackadder, you know what that is. Bibbly bop, bibbly bop. Uh, anyway, um, no, he has a big uh, like stick, and every person he, ki- he kills with a stick, he carves a thing in there. And Bill the Butcher has this amazing. Mm, I can't spoil it if you haven't watched it, Eric. I don't know. It's so good. Oh, Here's Daniel Day Lewis for you, you fucking you Yankee fuck. Yes, like, yes. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis's character in the movie, and he makes notches uh, on a stick to symbolize the people we've killed. So that's what I'm doing with my cars: is I put a sticker on there to let other moose know I will beat you with a giant stick. So it's like Eric. Lucille. Yes, it is like Lucille. Yeah. Yes, yeah. in the speaking yeah. in the parlance of nowadays, it is Lucille. Because we are referring to a movie that's pretty old now. The fact that it's yeah. a big knuckle piece of wood as well, and that would really fucking hurt if it hit you. Yeah. Like a very blunt instrument and you are going to die if it hits you. It's a very horrible death. That film is so good because it's like, you look at the film and you're like, that wasn't that long ago because it wasn't set in the Victorian area. It was set in the early 1900s. And there's like Indeed. these like these these gangs meet up in the middle of these fucking streets and they have like literally wars where they're literally stabbing each other to death. And Wait, wasn't it tied into the civil war with regard to avoiding conscription of the civil war? Um, yeah, I think it was, the, there was a lot of tension there. They do go into the election and stuff like Leonardo mm. DiCaprio is brilliant um, in it because it, that was like the turning point for Leonardo DiCaprio. He went from fancy boy. Oh, look at me. I'm Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. To, I can be a serious fucking actor. And Liam Neeson's in it as well. No, son, you keep the, the blood on the blade. Uh, <laughs> you need to watch that, Eric. It's so good. I think it I owe it to Scorsese. I, I, I like the man's work generally. I've been Irishmaning all over the place if we're talking Scorsese movies. So I will get to gangs eventually. Age I, of Innocence, if we're going to talk about his, his more uh, offbeat work, I'd recommend that. It's a tearjerker, but I recommend it. See, and those are the type of little nuggets that are dropped by you, Eric, where I'm like, you haven't seen Gangs of New York? What the fuck are you talking about? You see everything. You think, but no. I'll give you a... <laughs> I love it. I'll give you a movie thing, since we were talking about Bar Rescue for the past hour. Um, we owe John Taffer for Rocky Four in a sense. We owe John Taffer for the one thing in Rocky Four that anybody seems to remember. The robot. Polly's robot. Happy birthday, Polly. Happy birthday, Polly. That's his. John Taffer had that in a club with a certain sci-fi theme in New York that he was running long before Bar Rescue was ever a thing in his mind or ours. 
They just, I don't, I don't yet know the mechanics of the deal that got into it, but they needed a robot to say happy birthday, Polly. And this one was available because it was in John Taver's bar. And Whoa. it was saying, in, and instead of happy birthday, Polly, it was saying stuff like, check this place out. And it <laughs> was really primitive bar? execution program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not doing it right. Clean your kitchen. <laughs> oh, throw that robot that's what an interesting minute. nugget that is. Um, what a what I've been watching, what I watched, started watching last night, which I am dying to finish this fucking podcast to go and watch again, is a, a show on Amazon. They did they did it in 2017, I believe, but they've re- re- redone it with Amazon Money, and it's called Utopia, and it's fucking phenomenal. It's got um. Uh, what's his name? Dwight out of the office. It's got John Cusack, which I haven't seen in fucking anything since fucking uh, Identity. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen him in it. Oh, Two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about it's about this comic book um, called Dystopia that predicts all of Earth's uh, sort of uh, pandemics and things and diseases. Mm-hmm. And it's, this dystopia was like crazy. The symbolism in it. They're like literally, they have magnifying glasses and they, they literally zoom in on leaves and the leaves have signifying things. And uh, um, they released, like, they somebody found the sequel, Utopia, which has new secrets, things that haven't happened yet that it can predict. And it gets very bloody, very gory because the people behind it want everyone who's read it dead and they don't want it to be sold. And it gets very fucking bloody, very fucking quickly. And it's brilliant it is so good and i've just found it last night and uh, i can't wait to see it so i saw it and i thought straight away i thought eric fluger because the the star wars portrait you're putting together the the picture you're putting together you've put a lot of thought into like the gems that go around the border and too much (laughs) how a certain line should feel and things like that so i thought utopia is eric eric fluger the movie like you know so (laughs) it's You don't want to see Eric Pfluger the movie. This uh, this leaf should be shaped like Uganda, you know? Uh, Silly little things like that. It's just brilliant. I want to see It'd be like the Yodorovsky's Dune, the documentary. It'd be something like that, I'm sure. I want to see uh, the Eric Pfluger movie because at some point I'm going to show up in it and that's going to make me really smile. Would you like a microphone? Yeah, that's me. I'm that fucking guy. Why'd I get recasted? Why is fucking Ted Danson playing me? That's not age appropriate. What the fuck is going on here? What the fuck is Jonah Hill playing me for? He's a great actor, but what the fuck? I lost weight. What the fuck? <laughs> but so did he, though. He's suave, too. Kind of, sort of, maybe. I don't know. Um, they cast now? Rick Dalton as me. I'm so happy. <laughs> they, brought, they brought back Alfred Hitchcock to play me. I don't know, one, how they did this, and two, I didn't think he acted, so I, I don't know. I guess I'm guess He just honored? shows up for one minute trying to catch a bus. Oh, By the way, so- I had fun. I've been having fun if we're talking about streaming stuff. It just to share a brief personal bit. A friend of mine that I met online by the name of Chris Vasco, a cute story in its own right. But suffice it to say, we developed a friendship and he's like, I'm gonna help you out. He hooks me up in such a way that I'm able to watch things on hbo max including game of thrones so i've been burying myself in that if we're going to talk about heavy bloodshed Mm. but but just by coincidence you reminded me of it because uh a lot of hitchcock is on there too and i watched north by northwest recently in the last week i'm like this is still good 
<laughs> I have not watched it at all. Um, I have an issue with... Um, I don't like things when there's a lot of hype behind them. And that show had an extreme amount of hype. And I've tried getting into the books because I felt like that would be my introductions. I love books. And I'd be like, oh, I'll listen to the books and then I'll get into the show. But like still to this day, I don't know what it is about Game of Thrones, but it can't it doesn't draw me. And I, I love swords and arrows and shit. So I have no idea what my problem is. I don't know why I love it, too, because it's cruel to animals and I cannot stand that. And I'm like two episodes in. It's killing wolves. Mm-hmm. And I realize it's Jared this there to make me hate Joffrey's character, but you know, I don't need any help. You know, just let it be. Yeah. He's he's the short dude, right? I hate him enough. Yeah. There's there's a scene in uh Game of Thrones, which I think I can spoil. Can I spoil it now? It's been long enough, right? Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm never gonna watch it. There's I have a, a feeling I know the, what. But go scene, on. There's a scene uh where the kids run off. I think it's Bran goes missing. Um, I'm wrong. And, and I think his sister, I believe. And um, I think it's uh, what's his name? I the uh, Reek before he's Reek he takes over. Um, oh, Theon, uh, yeah, Winterfell, yeah. Uh, he takes over Winterfell, and he's like, "I can do stuff. I can be relevant. I can be powerful." Um, and he takes over. He's like, "It's mine now. <laughs> it's fucking mine now." And uh, instead of um, actually going and finding the kids. They pull up two children's dead corpses that are still smoking. And at the mm. time, it was like they're playing this really demonic music. And you're like, oh, my fucking God, they didn't. Oh, my, that's so brutal. And then you find out, oh, no, Bran's okay. So he's all right. He's fine. That was just just two other kids. It's just he's two other kids. Okay. And you're like, you're like relieved. But then you're like, but that's <laughs> that's two other kids that they did that to. What the fuck? Mm. It's, it's a really weird show. And what it does to you is just... Uh, unforgivable at times i gotta say tell you what theon uh, basically posed as a sadist because he was put up to it via peer pressure but then he falls into the hands of a true sadist in the classic sense and against ramsey theon is nothing whatsoever ramsey chews theon up and spits him out because theon is not by nature cruel ramsey is no. genuinely cruel he's just trying to play the part Absolutely, just trying to play a part, and he's lived alongside Jon Snow, who's fucking Jon Snow, and he's trying to be like, well, I can fucking, I can do that too, you know, I can be fucking big and brave and strong. But uh, anyway, she is I my see- queen. <laughs> she- I don't want it. Have you ever heard um, him talk in real life? He's like, he's like, he's like Cockney. He's like from fucking, I'm from Essex, you know. You're like, yeah, and you're like, don't do that. Talk Northern. Oh, all right, then I'll talk like this for the rest of my life. Then I'm sorry. I'm Jon Snow, and I fuck you, you bastard. I fucking have you. But then, as soon as he starts talking like this again, you're like, nah, fucking, I can't stand it. It's very weird when someone's uh, on a show. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Um. So yeah, um, I, that was an amazing show, though. Speaking to to to, to Brad, I'm emailing him now uh, is now a really wrong time to be like, here's my address. <laughs> no, I mean it just really happened. Like, um, so Why not? Problem, I'm gearing up to do the same. So go ahead. <laughs> the problem with um with doing these shows and waiting too long is sometimes you forget about things and you know shit happens. Like I emailed somebody about an interview and it seems like they completely forgot that they showed interest in it. So now I'm at this point. I'm like, fuck. I should have struck where the hour is hot and kept on it and stuff. But it, it's all good. Speaking of which, Alex, you and me have been so insanely busy emailing people. And same thing with Cash. She's been doing like. Like just so many people. I have got 
five emails I've got to respond to that that they they messaged me earlier in the week, and I literally haven't had time. I, I haven't had time. I, I said to Kaz, like, like, if I'd have had time, I'd have done it. But like, um, okay, so let's run through my week. Uh, so m- Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, I worked. Wednesday night. So what I do now is my little book here is uh, it's a little book, it's like a Bible. I, I write one and a half hours working on the biscuit when I finish work, one and a half hours working on Yusuk when I finished work, and one and a half hours working on the twenty-four hour podcast challenge when I finish work. And that's how I do things, right? So when I come home, do an hour and a half's work, go to bed, get ready for work the next day, come home, that's how it goes. And then Thursday, Thursday was crazy because I got up, took Timmy to school. Uh, then walked into uh, a town carrying all my equipment. So I think the suitcase I was carrying alone was probably about 15, 20 kilos. And then my my, my rucksack as well. And I walked into town. I went and grabbed a coffee, pulled my laptop out, and I did some work, tested my... Um, the, the, there was a settings change for the, uh, the, the the radio show I'd do. So I tested that. That works. Fine. Then go do my interview on a boat, which is the Sabrina boat in in, in Shrewsbury. Uh, which the teenage is... witch. <laughs> it's a it's a really honestly this episode's so cool because we're literally like it's it's with my my uh, my Zoom, so it's local, no lag, nothing like that. And we sat there, the boat's just going up and down the river, and we're just having this amazing talk. Straight from there, I grab my stuff, pack it all away, walk back out, and by the end of it, I'm hobbling to my car. Because this stuff is so heavy, heavy. I come back, and then I've got to go and get Timmy from school. Come back, uh, organise. My show isn't put together yet, so I've got to put everything in in, in order for the show. Then I have have dinner, do my radio show, and Friday was a day of emails and stuff. So I had to do all biscuit stuff, and then blah blah blah. Today I've got I got got up. Went to do uh, stuff at the prison because prison break is starting back again. So we had a rehearsal, walk around the prison, stuff like that. Come back. Um, uh, we watched our dinner, watched The Simpsons and stuff. And by the time we'd done that, it was time to do the podcast we just did. Five o'clock. Then it, so like, I literally have no time. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, you and me have just been trying to, like, I, like, and I'm grateful that you got some response because, dude, like, I've gotten response, but they've all been um, on the negative. I'll, every single one of them. Let me tell you about the fine individuals that have turned us down: Katie Seagal, Tony Hawk, um, the, the what, Nicholas Cage. These are some of the people that are too good to be on our show, Alex. Um, well, so, maybe in a year or so, they might be like, "I'm only so for now. sorry, we said no." For now. Um, Absolutely. For Maybe now. not. And don't go around. Like, I'm sure these people are extremely busy, and that's also part of it. Is now things are starting to pick back up. So we they're all everyone's doing stuff. Um, but we've had had some maybes and we've had some, you know, this so our our guest list is starting to steadily, steadily grow, which is good because we like to we like to plan shit out, right? We don't like to be the Nellies that wait until the week before. Oh, who's who's coming on? Oh, did we get that person? Heck with that. We're planners and succeeders. That's we're what doing we that now. We're doing that now. And we've got to thank Jamie for that, actually, Jamie Westwood, because um, he's been getting amazing guests. And I was like, How the fuck do you do that? And he goes, Yeah, it's a ninety-five percent fail rate. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, then that's what we need to do we need to fucking go all guns blazing gatling gun all the shit did one of those bolts hit all right we succeeded yeah there we go part of the game is in a sense annoying them into accepting that's i guess the yeah well i guess it's getting to yes is the way of saying well, it's getting to yes if we're putting up shawshank we got to do one morgan freeman reference per episode but yeah it's 
it's just sometimes gentle, steady pressure works. It worked with Kevin. It's true. Hell, yes. I mean, there's something to be said for it. Yes, I would 100% agree with that. Um, fucking hell, dude! It's it's been quite a day. Um, yeah, it has. Let's 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 kill this. Um, yeah. Uh, we do have a network of three shows at the moment, soon to be four, soon to be five, actually. Um, oh. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can, did you we, say network, Alex? Yes, I did say network. And what, where can people find that network, Tom? Oh, my God, guys, since you asked. Um, hey, we have a website. It's called YouSuckNetwork.com, and that is where you can find all the amazing shows that you are listening to right now. Well, this one, for instance, is called What's the Difference Podcast with me, Tom Bruno, and my best friend over here, Alex Whiteley, and sometimes even our good friend, Eric Fluger, below us. Um, that's so, right. Yes. Uh, that's- you sucks tendrils spread far and wide. So, yes, we're going to be <laughs> adding to that uh, the show of mine called Yelling at Clouds, where I get to disembowel myself on an audio basis each and every episode. Yes. Yeah. Look at that design work right there. I like that. Literally yeah. whipping that up as he said it. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to load that up. And as he said, how, yellow clouds, it appeared. There we go. How come you made a better logo for him than you did us, Alex? What's that saying? What are you telling me? They don't really I care. About I, d- I didn't make that. Eric did. <laughs> oh, okay. Eric, how come you're making yourself such great artwork and you're not hooking me and Alex up with our fucking amazing artwork? Because I make oh, the yeah. artwork. What the fuck's wrong with that shit? I, what the I'm, fuck? Joking. Shh, I'm joking. I care more about me than you. Good talk, good talk. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. So there is the soon to be yelling at clouds. There is another show uh, called You Suck Chronicles with our good friends Tom Stevens and Jamie Westwood, where they bring on some of the most amazing and inspirational guests and have a conversation with two best friends from back in the day. The latest episode is The Chronicles of Baz Black. He is an actor he is a he is a musician he is a tattoo artist he does so many different things you really need to learn to listen to the episode to even get a grasp on any of the stuff he's done um there is wednesday night live with me tom bruno alex wiley uh, tom stevens jamie westwood and david rabbi rabbi Raby, I'm going to say it right, David Raby. Um, and we come down every single Wednesday and we just, you know, bullshit. We play a few games. We have a good time. We make fun of each other. And it's a big love fest a for a bunch time. of dudes. We have a good time. We have a good time. Great time. Good time. Um, there's also the soon to be revived, uh, the Weekly Bazaar, brought back by popular demand. Actually, funnily enough, how that works. It was a show that was killed, but now, uh, much like the Armies of Darkness, it is being brought back to life via some shattered mirror that happens on the ground so that Walkers. is something to look walk so there's something to look forward to in the future my friends and all these amazing shows can be found on our amazing website usucknetwork.com which was built for us by the good people over at weborchard.com hey guys um the important thing about you know, selling something or having an online presence is you need a website. It's not good enough just to wor- rely on social media. It might get you some places, but if you don't have a hub for people to direct themselves to, you have no idea what kind of business you're losing out on. Um, so if you are an Etsy person, if you have an OnlyFans, if you just make vlogs, whatever it is that you do where you feel like more people should be able to see it, you need a website. And that's what the people at WebOrchard.com do. Not only do they do that, but they do it for you, you know, beautifully. If you go to usucknetwork.com right now and try playing around with their website, you're like, wow, this thing functions so well. And how did these knuckleheads do it? Well, 
let me tell you something. We didn't. We put our trust into the hands of somebody that is far more talented than any of us will ever be at designing websites. And we said, hey, Pete White, please hook us up if you're done saving the world from you know all the bad stuff. And he was like, totally, guys. I got your back. And that's what he did. So you need to go and take yourself via the internet. So you don't have to travel anywhere, by the way, um, over to webborchard.com. Drop our name. Be like, hey, the You Suck Boys sent me. And get yourself a fantastic website today. Great. Great work, Tom. Very nice. Yep. We get, you have to get you on a market hall somewhere like, you know, uh, you want to buy some meat? This great pork, these tenderloins here, they were made by Pete fucking White. They are the best tenderloins you'll ever buy. <laughs> Sorry. Tom and I need to go into business as auctioneers or something. Yes. You do it as Morgan Freeman. I'll be hey. Like, do I hear 35? <laughs> this is the slowest auction I've ever been to in my life. Really? I can't do Morgan he fast because he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't do Morgan fast. So if he doesn't do Morgan fast, you definitely are not going to do Morgan fast. I'm going to have a Does he mean 35? Do I hear 40? Do I have 40? Do I hear 40, 45? Or do I have 45? It just doesn't work. <laughs> it works so well, actually. Sold. Eric, Eric, do you reckon we can get away? With you recording now, something saying, "Hi, I'm Morgan Freeman, and you're listening to You Suck." What do you reckon? As, as long as he doesn't take a hit out on me, that's not how I sound. <laughs> I saw that movie Wanted. He is a hit man. That's no good. Um, <laughs> also, I, uh, I, I I gotta tell you guys. Oh, sorry, Tom. No, I was going to say, um, hey, Alex, don't we have some sort of like a uh, very long extended time show coming up? Yes, we do. It's the 24-hour podcast challenge. Uh, I'm going to be doing um, 24 hours live on a podcast beyond a um, camera, microphone. Uh, it's going to be one of the hardest things I've probably ever done, to be honest. You don't understand when you're doing a live show, you have to be on the ball all the fucking time. An hour is difficult. 24 hours is almost impossible. So, no uh, on from, <laughs> from 9am on the 29th of September to 9am on the 30th of September which falls on International Podcast Day uh, we are going to be doing this live show we're going to be doing 12 hours between 9am and 9pm of the Shrewsbury Biscuit and 9pm to 9am we're going to be doing 12 hours of USUK. Uh, the guys from International Podcast Day in LA are very aware of what we're doing. Very excited. They want to come on the show. Lingen Davis, who is the charity we're going to be raising money for. They're a cancer fund here in Shrewsbury. Are very, very excited, very grateful to be part of what we're doing. And we're going to be trying our best to raise as much money as we possibly can for that fantastic charity and the idea is to inspire people that with a microphone a voice and and goodwill and a good bit of enthusiasm you could do the same too if you're somewhere in the world listening to this and you're thinking ah that's a great idea fucking do it man just do it raise some money because what's the worst that can happen we're looking for <laughs> for special guests to come on the show we're looking for a venue there are 24 hourly slots that are for sale from a minimum of 50 pound donation so if you want a sponsor like you see the usernetwork.com uh, logo there at the bottom left of the screen um bottom right should i say where you're looking at it uh, it's uh chuck us 50 quid and we'll do that for you and we'll say 
This hour is sponsored by USUC Network, uh, and that is your way of helping out. We also are looking for uh, donations for live auctions. We're going to have this, the biscuit side of things. We're going to get local Shropshire-based sort of items that we can auction off that people can do. Skydives, event tickets, uh, meal tickets, uh, hampers, whatever you want. If there's auctions, it's going to be amazing things. We're going to try and get some of those things. The USUC side of things... Maybe we can get in touch with Brad and get a glass from the Spirit Suburban. Maybe we can <laughs> reach out to Kevin Smith and get something signed. Things like that, that can be sent online, and that's what we're going to be doing. So if anybody knows anybody that can donate something, maybe we can get Eric to, to send us some, some artwork he did for Babylon, you know, and get him to sign yeah, something. Yeah. That, that'd be a good mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe. Uh, or mm-hmm. Yeah. I we think have we can do people. that, actually. <laughs> I oh, think we can. I've had such a great time. We've just done two shows in a row, and I'm so happy. I'm not even tired. Let's do another no. time. I'm joking. Let's <laughs> no, no, we're not doing any more shows today. Uh, you can also catch me on Naughty Talk, which is my radio show on Splash Damage Radio, which is between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. BST every Thursday. Um, and you already listen to Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you, you guys both actually feature on that radio show every week. Uh, with, uh, do I? I I, 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 really? I dedicated a whole segment to you, Tom. I know you uh, did. I week. listened to it. I was just playing alone, actually. Um, see, I'm now I listen to it more, knowing knowing that I'm involved in some way, shape, or form. Now I will listen to your show. Great. Now but, I have to listen. <laughs> How am I naughty? <laughs> this has been What's the Difference podcast. I've been Alex Whiteley. I am Tom Bruno. And I'm Eric Pfluger, I think. Wait, what? <laughs> And we love you guys, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace out. When it comes to culture either side of the Atlantic, no one does it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you You Sucks What's the Difference podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno.